I may get a little fired up today. I feel compelled to share with you some very nasty tactics that are used in certain arenas to try to convince you to do things one way or the other. This is important. Welcome to the Flow Podcast, Episode 7. Today I am coming to you after witnessing some things that I think are alarming and want to tell you a little bit about what goes on in the psychology behind the scenes. So sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee, and let's get flowing. Y'all know that everything, and I mean everything, that I believe in is based in the premise of flow. It is why I'm so passionate about it. It is why I spend a majority of my time working on it teaching about it, talking about it, writing about it, because it's the core value that I believe we are evolving towards, which is to let love rule over all other emotions. I don't care if people think it's corny or Pollyanna-ish. It is, in fact, our next human chapter. I believe it's why we're here. I think it's beyond possible. I actually think it's probable. And I also think that a lot of the disarray that we are experiencing currently is all part of the process. Part of the process is to completely break open the things that we need broken open so that we can truly see what's standing in front of us. So I wanted to talk to you guys today about something. And yes, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself and my life because that's what I like to do but I also believe in storytelling as metaphor. I think it's really important. So this is not bragging. (laughs) That makes me laugh because it's the opposite. Um, But it's clarity that I am using right now and I think you could benefit from it. And it is based in flow. And no, I'm not scared or um, hopped up to the degree of hurting people, being angry, lashing out, um, cutting people off. That will never be my path, ever, never. Um, I believe much too deeply in the power of our humanity. So I want to share with this with you so you can understand this a little bit deeper if you don't already. I think a lot of you probably watched the debates last night. Um, If somebody's listening to this 30 years from now, There was a presidential debate last night. Uh, I'm in another country, but it was prime time, I think, worldwide, um, which is also something very important for all of us to remember. The things that we do affect our neighbors by by literally our actual neighbors in the house next door, and then our neighbors around the world, our our fellow humans, um, the people in other countries, our behavior, we are all connected. We can't forget that. So yes, so last night was prime time around the world, and uh, it was one of the more disturbing examples I've seen of where it seems our democracy is, is headed, although I think that it's about to take a turn, so I'm hopeful that we can get back to what 
our country was made for, which is peace, unification, equality, prosperity. So I was a debate nerd, as we used to call it. And before that, I was on a speech circuit. Yes, you didn't even know that was possible. In college, I was a competitive speaker. (laughs) You know, it's like when you learn that there's like these weird sort of sports that you didn't know were sports. That's, That's the same kind of situation. So I would go around to different schools um, in college and we would compete in speeches, but I had to write my own speeches. I had to obviously give my own speeches and all of that. So there's, there's a, an arc. There are all kinds of different techniques. There's all kinds of different ways that you can um, get your point across and something, and this is clearly, I'm not telling you to, to, bolster myself, but I won. I I was, I was the, I won a lot. (laughs) Um, primarily because I really understood the power of persuasion, but I also understood, uh, the topics. Um, I chose topics that I genuinely felt needed our attention. Um, one of the main topics that I remember, I don't remember all of them was, um, about, uh, child workers that were in at the, at that time in other countries and that were working for some pretty predominant uh, companies in, in the United States and how it was important that we knew that this was happening and that we uh, initiated child labor laws, the same that they were in the United States. So things like that are, I think things that are important for us to get out to talk about. Um, and I understood how to create that arc to get my point across. Um, After I was a competitive speaker, I went on to a debate team. So at this point, I have now gone to one college where I was doing the speaking. Then I moved on, I moved to another country. I came back. And when I came back, I enrolled in another school. So now I'm in a, a new school altogether. And I joined the debate team. Now, at this point, one of the best professors that I've ever had is my professor. He, he was, he was, oh man, how do I describe him? Um, He was one of a kind. He had a, a knack for letting you see your power, but not letting you give up. I had this really funny pattern, I guess I would call it where before every debate, I would threaten to leave because <laughs> I was so nervous. I would get so nervous that I just said, I'm not doing it. It's not happening. And then inevitably, every time I would do it. But he finally ca- got caught on to my, my, my little shenanigans. And he would say, okay, bye. <laughs> Works every time, right, guys? I mean, anybody who has kids knows that's the best way to go. You just go, okay, see ya. And then you pretend like you're getting in the car and they come running. Um, but it worked on me. And One thing about debate that is important is when you're at least in a competitive debate debate environment, you don't always know which side you're going to be debating for or against. You can be told at the 11th hour. So the, the key is to understand both sides of the street as well as you can. There's also these things that you can throw into debates to try to throw off your opponent. 
And unfortunately, they don't always have to be true. Um, what can happen is if you decide to throw one of these things in, if the opponent actually knows the truth, then they can completely debunk you immediately and kind of take you out. If they don't, you might be able to push them back on their heels a little bit. So it is a it is a method. It is a it is something that is known and that people do. And there was a time when I was going to do a public debate. So part of what our university liked to do was to basically go out and ask a public figure in our community to come and debate one of our one of our students. So at this particular time in my community, there was a uh, pastor of a church who would do ads on the radio about abortion. He was very against abortion and he would do ads and he had television ads and he had radio ads and people knew him. Um, he was, I would say, a pretty intimidating figure. Um, at this particular time, he was probably in his 60s and I am 22, maybe. And we basically asked him to come and debate his side. Now, the thing about debate is that's somewhat irrelevant what your belief systems are, although I'm sure it does help. It's more about technique, tactic, and delivery. So I get asked by my team to be the person to debate this man, this grown man who's a figure in our community. What I didn't completely know is they were going to open it up to the public. So they had rented out this massive space and it was packed, packed, wall to wall packed with what I think is one of the most polarizing debates out there. So I did my whole thing. I threatened to leave. I threatened to run away. I did all the stuff. And of course, my my professor said, okay, bye. <laughs> we'll just shut it down. And then, of course, at the 11th hour, I came back and I, I went into the room. So I debate this man and I win. Now, you win because they are there are um, judges that are brought in who have no allegiance one way or the other. Just think of them as like a NFL referee. And they're, they're scoring you on various different metrics. So I, I win this debate. And this gentleman is extremely unhappy, obviously. And he starts to attack me verbally, not in front of the room, but behind the scenes. And that is also a technique, intimidation, chaos, and fear. But what I wanted to share with you guys was what I witnessed last night is something that will happen behind the scenes. Both of those men are being worked with, trained, um, given every possible different dynamic that could come at them. And then they come up with a strategy. So back in the day, after that particular debate, 
we started to get a lot of attention. And we were invited from Harvard University to come to Harvard. It was the first time that they invited a school outside of the Ivy League to come and debate their debate teams. So at that particular event, it was multiple Ivy League schools that were going to be there from MIT, Stanford, um, Harvard, many, many, many. I don't remember all of them at this point. And we got on a bus and we drove up to the campus of Harvard. And I remember getting out of the bus and walking onto this campus and I felt just, I, I was, I was in awe of it and I was intimidated by it. I think, I mean, you know, if you are told multiple times that something is more superior than you, you, you might start to believe it. <laughs> That's another podcast. Um, but we were there and I was determined. So each day you would go into a room, you would debate another school, another team, and then you would either continue through or you would go home and be done. And my debate partner, who's phenomenal, I actually think, I have to, oh God, I can't remember his name right now, but I think he's in politics. <laughs> I'm pretty, I think he is. Oh man, I need to go find find that out. Um, but he had a very specific technique and his technique was to, and this is, this is allowed by the way, so don't be alarmed, was to confuse by offering false information. Your hope is that the opposing team does not know one way or the other, the answer, and it can spin them back a little bit. It's sort of a technique because it makes their brain start to funnel through what they believe to be fact while you are not playing in that in that arena. So it's trickery at best, <laughs> um, allowed, which could be up for discussion. I think historically they allow it because every human can't know every fact all the time. And part of your, your ability is your ability to bluster your way through it, I guess. I liked fact, but I like fact in general because I believe that there's nothing more you can do. You mean fact is fact is fact. So I'm a, I'm a truth teller by nature, but I let him do his thing and he let me do my thing. So when we got to a point where it seemed possible that the other team had something on us, he would throw in these grenades, for lack of a better word. And he would say things like, oh, man, that dog won't hunt. Now, to this Ivy League Yankee school, they had no idea what the hell <laughs> it just came through their door. And guess what happened? We won. We kept winning. We kept winning. We kept moving through sometimes to our own confusion. The last day we were going to, I think, go against the MIT team. And at this point they were, it was us and them. And then I think Harvard and another team was going to be on the other side. And whoever finished went to the grand stage. Now, if any of you have seen any of these classic movies of that room, this room where they do these, they do the big debates at Harvard, it is um, iconic and and stunning and terrifying and all these things. And I'm going to admit something to you that I'm not proud of, but it, and it's not even relevant to this whole conversation, but it's just the truth. 
I went into that room, they showed us the room and said, you know, obviously if you guys get to this point, you would come to this room and you would debate in here. And I buckled. I felt so terrified of actually getting to that point that I didn't want it to happen. You know, I felt like I was out of my element. Now, if I could go back and talk to myself, I would remind her that none of these things are accidents and I'm only there and doing what's happening because I am skilled and good and deserving of this. But needless to say, we get to the final time and I really did not have the fire in my belly at that point because I was genuinely afraid and I actually had convinced myself that it was best that these other schools go against that because they know what they're doing. You know, they've been in that room. They've trained in that room. They, they wouldn't be overwhelmed by that room. So we didn't get to the end and maybe we wouldn't have, but maybe part of it was my lack of belief in in myself. Um, Maybe part of it was a general idea that I needed to stay in my place somehow at that in that flawed thinking. But either way, I learned a lot about technique and how you can sow chaos in order to attempt to win something. So that's really what I want to get into today, which is what we're seeing right now on these stages in our country is chaos. And chaos is a manipulation technique. Let me say that again. Sowing chaos is a manipulation technique. If I can confuse you enough and create enough chaos around you, I will both literally and figuratively put you on your heels so that when I say, jump, you will jump. It is a known ability, a known technique. And we are watching it play out on the biggest stage in the world with the most consequences that are possible. But what I want you to know, if you are listening to my voice right now, if you know what these techniques are, you don't get pulled into them. You know exactly what their goal is and exactly what you need to do to avoid it. So in this case, we have an administration who has essentially chosen the technique of chaos, disarray, fear, hatred, and separation. If you put people long enough into two different arenas and tell them that the other side is going to hurt them in these very atrocious ways, little by little by little, they will chip away at your otherwise knowing self. So I'm here to tell you that this is false information. This is dangerous information. And the truth is that we are together We want and care about the same things. We hope and dream that our children will be safe and loved and live in clean air and safe streets. No person 
living in the world, as far as I know, craves vitriol, anger, hate, and aggression. The only people that play in that arena are people that are trying to control you. But what they might forget is that our collective power to find love over worry, to lock arms in a place that cannot be penetrated, will by far beat out any kind of attempt to sow chaos and weave chaos into the tapestry of what is an otherwise loving thing. I'm sitting at my office. I'm sitting here looking at pictures of my children. And it makes me want to weep. Because at this moment in time, it feels pivotal and important. And that we are standing on the high wire, the precipice of a change that we might not be able to get back if we don't do the right thing. The people who are currently running our country are trying to trick you. They are throwing in red herrings to see if they can pick you back on your feet and get you to be susceptible to what they want you to do. Let me say one thing that I think is hugely crucial here too. And boy, I wish I was on that stage last night. No, I don't, but yes, I do. (laughs) There was a moment when the person currently running the country said to his opponent something ugly and cruel about his children. Now, for as long as I can remember, the decorum of the day is you don't bring children into the discussion. P.S. If you really want to open that can of worms, sir, let's go ahead and do that. But I respect and admire that we hold the line on not bringing children into the discussion. But that person did. And he said something, it was almost under his breath, and I feel like it blew past and many people didn't even notice it. And that person said, my children gave up massive amounts of wealth to come and support my administration. The belief system is about massive amounts of wealth. The words were not, my children came to be of service to our country, despite what they may or may not lose in terms of personal wealth. Because being of service to our country would be, in fact, the most important job any of us could do. I do not have any sympathy for loss of personal wealth by serving your country. And I think we all can understand something. I'm pretty sure they're going to be just fine in terms of affording the whimsies of their life. But either way, this is the thinking that's going on behind the eyeballs of the people running the country currently. That wealth over service, fear over love, chaos over peace. That's what you're seeing. And I will humbly ask you to pay close attention to how it is making you feel. 
Do you feel like you are in danger? Do you feel like your neighbor would hurt you because they have a differing political view? And if you do, then it's working. This sick and twisted methodology is working. So I'm going to ask you to wake up. Wake up. Cross the street to your neighbor's house. Have a conversation. Remind each other of your humanity. Remind each other of your love. First of yourself, then of them, and then of country. And let me also remind you, the loving of yourself is the definition of loving God. Because you are a child of God, of the highest vibrations. You don't deserve to be treated like this. To be assumed that you are up for grabs like this. And you certainly don't deserve to be put in a position where you think, you actually think that someone who knows and loves you could potentially hurt you to defend a man who has done nothing but sow seeds of chaos and separation. That is not who we are. Someday, they get back to that stage in Harvard. I know exactly, exactly what I would do. Mm-hmm.